Let's start with Genesis chapter 14. That's going to be our springboard. Um, you may want to throw a little something in Psalm 10, 110, and also Hebrews 7. So that's uh, the map of this morning. How's everybody this morning? Isn't our God glorious? If He makes everything glorious and we are His, what does that make us? That's some good news, isn't it? I don't know. Sometimes I wake up and I look in the mirror and I don't feel very glorious. How about you? Uh, Sometimes uh, I just see my actions and listen to my own thoughts and I don't feel very glorious. But thank God for His Son that has come to make all things glorious. And I am His. Who's your favorite superhero? Who's your favorite superhero? It's got to be... Now, yes, Greg, Jesus Christ, very good, let's close in prayer. But, Superman, I mean, come on, is there a better superhero than the Man of Steel himself? I mean, you know, Batman had a couple of cool things going for him, an awesome car, an awesome cool hangout, but he needed Robin, you know? And there was Aquaman and, and the Flash. I mean, to me, they were, they were just weird, you know? <laughs> I mean, they really were. But the one who was faster than a speeding bullet. Here, is, is this going to date this or what? More powerful than a locomotive. Oh, ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Able to leap, not just any building, tall buildings with a single bounce. Superman, man of steel. Superman's this kind of weird character that uh, just kind of appears out of nowhere, right? He kind of appears out of nowhere and, and disappears again. Uh, Superman has some really unusual genealogy. Uh, you know, some of you who know his genealogy and know his story, go get help, okay? But, um, you know, we, we do know that he's got some really strange genealogy. We also know that he had dual roles. I mean, Superman came as dual role Superman. He had a, uh, a mild-mannered side to him, kind of nerdy, um, kind of cool glasses, uh, named Clark Kent. Uh, but he just, in a matter of moments, in a, in a phone booth. Which, by the way, what do you do with that now? Man, oh man, oh man. No, I didn't even think about that. Just think about that. What, what is, no wonder we haven't seen Superman. I mean, there's no more phone booths. But out of the greatest uh, superheroes in my mind, it really was Superman. He's got this really amazing power, amazing strength, but weird genealogy, dual roles. And as we are on our search for a godly king, uh, we're going to make our way today. It's almost where we should have began. We, we could have begun here, but remembering we're linking this service, this whole ser- series, uh, to Easter and to Palm Sunday and the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And his name is? Jesus, and we all are, everything that we look to in God's Word, Old and New Testament, are always going to point to Jesus. They're always going to find their fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is always going to be our hope. Well, today, we are going to find our way to a king by the name of Melchizedek. And we're going to find him. He's he's kind of like if there were a king who were a superman in the Old Testament. This is the superman of the Old Testament. This is kind of like the man of steel. And I don't know if he's faster than a speeding bullet, or I don't know if he's more powerful than a locomotive, but in a lot of ways, very, very, very much like a superhero. 
Um, he appears on the scene as a dual role. I mean, really, the only king that we're going to find in the Old Testament that has multiple roles. I mean, this is a king who's not just a king, he's a priest. And in, in Old Testament times, there was a real distinction in God's word and, and God's story as a king who, who has a kingly role, but not a priestly role. And this king we're going to find named Melchizedek, and even his name is amazing, um, had both a kingly role. He also had a priestly role. He also has a prophet role. A role of speaking into God's, uh, to God's people and blessing them. So of all the kings that we have, and we've looked at David, we looked at Saul, David, and Solomon, we even looked to the judges, we're now going to find the superman, the superhero of kings of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, he, like Superman, has got really strange genealogy. I mean, can't really trace it. Don't know about his ancestry. Don't know about his mom and dad. Um, he's really more of a son of God. He's really more of a son of God than anyone else in Scripture. But the question we want to ask is this. Is he any more useful than Superman? Because if we read these stories and we hear about the Superman of the Old Testament and even who they point to, the question that we all are here panting in our souls, but does it really matter? Does it really have a point? Is this going to affect anything about my life? And if God does what I believe He's going to do this morning and come with power and open up our ears and our minds and our eyes to see who this Melchizedek really is and who He points to. It matters. Everything hinges on this true biblical superhero named Melchizedek. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 14. We're going to look at Genesis 14, verses 17 through 20. Then we'll skip over to the book of Hebrews and read Hebrews 7, 1 through 4. No matter if we're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, in the Psalms, wherever we find ourselves, this is God's Word. He gave it to us. It's, it's without error. It won't lead us astray, and we're very, very thankful for that. Hey, let me give you a quick background. Um, we're going to be talking this morning. Melchizedek is going to appear to a man named Abram. His name will become Abraham. Uh, Abraham was a friend to God. God loved him, and he loved God. God blessed him. Uh, Abram is uh, oftentimes with many uh, of us who grow up knowing Father Abraham. Uh, This is Father Abraham. He had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. You guys know the song? Okay. Um, Well, Abraham was a a lover of God who God called him from his home and said, go to a place that's like a promised land. I want you to journey. I want you to leave everything. I want you to trust me. Uh, I'll be your God. I'll be the God to your children, and I want you to follow me. Your purpose is going to be me. And guess what? God always does this to his people. He always calls us to journey after him. All of us, same today. He always calls us to journey with him and changes our name and gives us his name. Are you ready for this? God always leads us to a promised land. But he always blesses us amazingly in Christ because God, that's what he does with his children. God blesses his children. God has every right to curse us, but to his children, he gives us amazing blessings in Christ Jesus. But he always blesses us with a purpose. Not so we get the big head, not so that we, it's all about us, but he blesses us so we could be a blessing to others. Orangewood, we're here today to soak in Jesus, to be blessed by our great God. Why? So we could be a blessing to the nations. What's well, the same with Abraham. 
Abraham was a blessed man by God. And what's happening here is his nephew Lot hung out with him. Uh, a lot came on this journey. Lot got a little messed up at times with the world and got, found himself in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's not today's story. But Lot, his nephew, has become plunder to some king's raids. He has become a captive. He's become uh, a, a king's prized possession or part of a king's uh, capturing of, of uh, different lands and territories. Well, Abraham, man, this man and friend of God, he was a warrior too. So this guy mounts his horse, goes out, and he goes after that which was his, Lot. And he brings him back. And uh, that's where we are. Uh, uh, Abraham, blessed by God, blessed by God to be a blessing to many others, now has received Lot. And uh, we'll have this, this superhero king named Melchizedek appear. Okay, you ready? 14, verse 17. Chapter uh, 14, verse 17. After his return, Abram returned from the defeat of this king where I think they got cheddar cheese from. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet with him at the valley of Shiva. That is the king's valley. And all of a sudden, here comes the first time in biblical and redemptive history, all of a sudden, and Melchizedek... Interesting name. We're going to learn more about that in just a second. King of Salem. Salem. King of Jerusalem. Um, we, uh, uh, we're going to see that the psalmist referred to Salem as, as Jerusalem. So this is Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. Why? Because he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him, Abraham, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram. By God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave a tenth of everything he had to this superhero king. He's mentioned in Psalm 110. We're not going to read that, but that's where he appears again. Then we're going to pick up the story in the book of Hebrews. Turn to the back of the Bible. The writer of Hebrews writing to a, an audience very familiar with Jewish history, very familiar with a name, a man named Melchizedek, a king named Melchizedek. Then listen to what God's word says to us about this Melchizedek in Hebrews 7. It is going to kind of amplify the story. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to Abraham, he appointed a tenth part of everything. He his first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. Hebrew word melech, king, ascetic, righteous, or just. So even this superhero king in the Old Testament, just his name. It's amazing how God works this way. His name is king of righteousness. Interestingly, the commentaries uh, will tell us that his name could be translated my righteousness. The king of righteousness. Uh, he then is also the king of Salem. That is king of peace. Uh, the word shalom, where we get peace. And so this unique king is a king of righteousness. This unique superhero is a king of of peace. Now listen to this. In verse 3, he is without father or mother or genealogy, 
having neither beginning of days nor end of life. This is like we sang in the beginning, the ancient of days. But resembling the Son of God, He continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of all the spoils. And I'm going to throw in another verse, verse 25. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Let us ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of His Word. Father God, we need a superhero. But we need one who's real. Father, it's really awesome and nice to be able to turn to Your Word and hear about a king whose name is Righteousness, who's a king of peace. But God, He's got to become more than a comic book character. And Father, the only way that that happens is if You fill this place with Your Spirit and Your truth and and You give us eyes to see who this Melchizedek really points to. This king who's a prophet and a priest as well. Father, I pray for each one of us today that we would have ears to hear from King Jesus. That Your Spirit would fill our minds with Your truth so we would understand what this King named Jesus really has done for us. And and Father, our hearts are in rebellion still. Would You take our hearts lovingly into Your hand and would You crush the parts that don't believe? And would You lovingly fill them with Your presence and Your joy and Your grace and Your mercy through the work of Your Son. And Father, we will leave here and we may not be able to walk faster than a speeding bullet or run that fast or leap tall buildings or be more powerful than a locomotive, but, but if we have the Holy Spirit, God, we could do even greater things. Things like being in submission to You being on mission for you. So Father, come and speak and speak clearly through a broken vessel, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're in the midst of what the world will call March Madness. Uh, if you missed it, it's, uh, it's going on around you. It's the NCAA basketball tournament, Division I tournament to find out who will be the national championship. Has your team won? Has your team won? My team is winning. Uh, My team uh, plays today at noon. That's a good sign for all of you. My team, Syracuse. Syracuse, maybe you don't know Syracuse. We got one of the most intimidating mascots you've ever seen in school history. We have a big orange. He comes out on the court, big orange. You're scared of that puppy right there, a little hat on. What does orange have to do with upstate New York? Absolutely nothing. They used to be called the orange. But I heard that, you know, a little citrus in the eye is very painful. Um, it's, it's very intimidating. But that's, that's my team. I'll be cheering uh, ridiculously for them. But the interesting thing is, is why are they my team? I mean, what's really my about my team? I mean, yes, I will be passionate about them. Yes, I will care. But why? I mean... Really, do they have anything to do, with their victory have anything to do with me? I have no money on the game. 
Um, smarter than that. Um, especially putting money down in Syracuse. Do not do that. But really, what's, what's, what's going to be in it? What's, what's, if, they, if they win, if they win it all, so, so it's my team. How does their victory really affect my life? How does their loss really affect my life other than maybe me being cranky for a few hours? And it's true oftentimes with Scripture. I mean, we've got this guy named Melchizedek, and, and he's pointing to a king named Jesus. But don't we all want to know is, how does their victory really affect my life? I mean, isn't the reality is, is, is what they have done, how, how, how does it affect me? And how do I raise my family and what I do for a living? How does it affect my life. And the question we want to ask is, can we go to the book of Genesis and find in chapter 14 a guy named Melchizedek and say, can he have anything to do with me? Can his life and victory be mine? Or more importantly, does he point to another king whose life and victory really can be mine? Can a king of righteousness, think about that, can a king of righteousness be my king? Can a king of peace be my peace? Really? As we're in a search for a godly king, wouldn't it be amazing if we could find a king and love a king and know a king and submit to a king that's more than just any king, but that we could say that that king's name really is our name, that that king is my righteousness. He's my righteousness. This king is my righteousness. This king is my peace. God gives us in His Word this this appearance of Melchizedek whose name could be called my righteous king, my righteous peace. What would that mean for us? What would it mean if a king's victory really became ours? A king who could give us a new identity. Think about that king for a minute. Think about a king who could give you a a complete new identity. I mean, his victory really changes you. It makes you, uh, let's say, a new creation. Let's, let's talk about a king who, through his righteous living and his righteous acts before a holy God, for his righteousness and completely fulfilling God's word, every jot and tittle. What if that king's righteousness could become your righteousness and my righteousness? What if we could talk about a king who's not just out there somewhere, who did it all well, but that doing it well, doing it perfectly, doing it sinless, could become ours. And that could become our identity. And now we could be called in God's holy eyes, righteous. It's a king I want to know. How in the world can a king become my righteousness? Well, I guess that king would have to become our brokenness, wouldn't he? I guess that king would have to become our sinfulness. I guess that king would have to become our sacrifice. I guess that king would have to become our death in a holy God's sight. I guess that king would have to become our curse, our sin, so we could become his righteousness. Isn't it beautiful? Does anybody get excited about the gospel story that God would take him the true Melchizedek who knew no sin, who was righteous and just, and he would nail him on the, sin, on the cross so that he could become our sin. So you ready for this? 2 Corinthians 5.21 So we could become His righteousness in Christ. 
Listen. God, the Father who is holy, now can look on the lot of us who are sinful and say, there is my family, there is my chosen, and there they are. And by the way, they now have, you ready for this? No, hold on. You ready for this? They now have not just the righteousness of man, not just perfect righteousness as if you and I did it all right. We now have in a relationship with Christ, ready for this? The righteousness of God. My righteousness. My King. My Jesus. That you and I could be called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Melchizedek points us that way. What about my peace? How can we have a King who could become my peace? The only way he could do that is becoming my standing. The only way he could do that is becoming my sacrifice on the cross where the Father would look down from heaven and as his Son bore your sins and bore mine, where all the junk and the brokenness he bore in his body on the cross and the Son who was the perfect spotless Lamb of God would say, my God, my God, how come you've forsaken me? I have no peace. Because a holy God can't look at sin. And He turned His back and the Son experienced hell itself and the complete loss of all peace with God so we could find it. So we could find it. So that we, the broken lot of us, the stumbling forward sinners of us, could become the peace and have the peace of God. Wow. What a king. How would that affect your life? How would it affect your life waking up tomorrow if you and I truly realized in a holy God's sight through the work of His awesome ultimate Son, the King Jesus, the ultimate Melchizedek, that now we could live our lives in God's sight as my righteousness. I know what the world says about me. I know what my sins still scream in my ear. But in God's eyes, in Christ Jesus, He is my righteousness. He is my peace. There's only one way that God could become our righteousness and our peace is if we have a king who is a prophet, we have a king who is a priest, and we have a king who is king of kings. So let's take a moment and look at each one of these offices. First thing is this. He must be a king who can be a prophet. One who speaks blessings into our lives. One who, who gives us blessings. Look back to Genesis. Uh, Genesis 14, verse 19. You have this Melchizedek, this God, uh, this king who's becoming a prophet. Who speaks blessings into Abram's life. Blessings, not curses. He says, bless you, Abram. God loves you. Bless you. Bless you. You can be a blessing to the nations. Is the health care bill passing today? I'm not a politician. You hang around me, you know that for sure. But, you know, a thing that plagues me about the health care bill is I want to know, is it really going to be a blessing to me? 
Is it going to help me in any way? Because I'm so selfish. I really don't care about a whole lot else sometimes. But is it really going to help us? I've I, I got to confess, I haven't studied enough, but I, I'm really, really skeptical. I'm really skeptical. You want to know the truth? I mean, is it going to be a blessing? How many things are we told that are going to be blessings that turn out to be burdens? There's a king who's a prophet. There was one named Melchizedek, and he pointed to one named Jesus, who spoke blessings. Blessings of God that brought life and truth and meaning. Blessings of God that really do help us and not harm us. And listen, we have a God who's holy, and he speaks to us. And an amazing thing, he speaks blessing. And this holy God, you would think that he'd speak wrath. You'd think that he'd speak judgment. But he speaks mercy. He speaks life. He speaks truth. And he only could speak it through his righteous son, the king who was righteous, the king who is our peace. And we live in a world that that reminds us of curses. And it wants to speak cursing into our lives and tear us down and rip us apart. And even our own brokenness and sinfulness wants to rob us of life and joy and meaning. But there's a God who is. And this God who is still speaks today. And He speaks into our lives blessing. He says, you're my beloved. I love you in Christ Jesus. I will never let you go. I'll never change my mind about you. You're mine. I got you graven on my hands. Man, do I have life for you today, and I promise you eternity we're going to be together. And no more sin, no more disease, no more tears. It's coming. I'm speaking blessing into your life today. Do you hear it? I want to fill you. I want to fill you with the Spirit in Christ Jesus. I want to bless you. Why? So you could be like Abraham, a blessing to the nations. Why? So we can say everything is glorious in Christ's name. Is there really a king who we can find that's not out for his own gain that can bless you and me? Melchizedek points us to the one named Jesus. If he's a prophet, if he's a prophet of God, he's a word I must obey. Are you listening to God today? God still speaks. Are you listening? I love the writer of Hebrews. It starts off in Hebrews 1. It says in, in the past times, in different ways, God spoke. And He spoke through amazing men called prophets. And, and of all their own gifts and abilities, He used them. But He spoke His actual words. But He said in the last day, the last day there's a man named Jesus who is the exact replication of God because He is God in flesh. And in the last days, God speaks to us not through prophets. He speaks to us a whole better way. He speaks to us through His Son. And He still speaks today. I mean, all of creation, it says, utters forth His speech. All of creation tells His amazing story. But of His way that He likes to communicate most through His Spirit is through His Word. Are we listening we obey this prophet? Do we love this prophet? Do we love this prophet's word? Or is, do we turn our hearts and say, speak, Jesus, speak. Let me put myself in your word. Let me, let me read whatever day it is today. And there's 31 Proverbs. I'm going to read today's proverb. Let me, let me read through the Psalms. Let me be in your gospel. Speak, Lord Jesus. You are the ultimate prophet. I need to hear from you. I need to obey. I just think that we live in a time where it's such confusion and such selective hearing and such selective obeying. Remember last week I, I compared Solomon to Thomas Jefferson and 
It said amazing why smart men who amazingly missed it. I mean, Jefferson, who's going to take God's word and switch it around and throw out the miracles and throw out the things he doesn't believe in and say, yeah, I got a prophet named Jesus. He's amazing, but I'm only going to listen to the things that I like. He's not really my king. I'm not really in submission to him. Truthfully, I'm over Jesus. I will take Jesus' word and I will define what is his and what is not. I mean, can, can you imagine being that arrogant? Here's God's word. Are you in it? God speaks to you today. He wants to speak blessing into your life. He wants to encourage you, strengthen you for the journey. How in the world can we not put on the full armor of God? How in the world can we go through this messed up, broken life, not knowing the word, not loving it, not spending time with it, and just sitting there? God still speaks. Are we listening? We've got to obey all of his words. He must not only be a king who is a prophet, he must be a king who is a priest. It's amazing how this role, Melchizedek, plays a unique role where he has that role of not just being a king and a prophet, but he also is a priest. And what is a priest's role? Well, a priest's role is to offer a sacrifice to God. A priest offers a sacrifice to a holy God for a sinful people. So a priest has a role where he represents the people to God, and then he turns around to the people and he represents God to the people. And here you have this Melchizedek that has this dual role of not only being a king, a ruler, he also is going to be a priest. He's going to point to one named Jesus, offering blessings and peace to his people. So what does it say in Genesis 14 again, verse 18? He says that he brings, he brings to Abram after a battle, he brings to him nourishment, he brings to him bread, and he brings to him wine. Does anybody have an imagery of bread and wine that we should be thinking about? Was it, does it seem like a priest? I mean, it's our Lord's Supper. I mean, we certainly can see shadow in that. And here you have a, a priest who's bringing blessing. He's going to bring a sacrament. He's going to bring the bread. And he's going to bring the wine. But this Melchizedek is an amazing, good, righteous king. He is, he's going to God's blessed man. And he's going to feed his body, his weary body. He's not going to just offer him water. He's going to offer him wine. But we have a greater king who is a priest named Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I change water into wine. And you come to me and I could do a whole lot more than just give you physical sustenance through bread and wine. The bread is my body broken for you. Consume me in faith and your soul lives true wine that was shed for the forgiveness of sins come to me in faith and watch the horrendous ugliness of your sin dissolve into my beauty and become mine the true priest of God Jesus who offers himself as a sacrifice I am it I'm the lamb of God I'm the one who's going to be broken for sin it's my blood that contains the new covenant It's my blood that's got that power to wash away the filthiest of sin. I'm the true priest. I'm the true sacrifice. I'm the bread. I'm the wine. I'm the priest. Come to me. I'm the only way to the Father. I'll come to you. I'll come to you in flesh and I'll represent you to the Father. 
I'll be a sacrifice for you so that we can truly live Melchizedek, amazing dual role. He was a king. He was a priest. He brought the bread. He brought the wine. But he did nothing more to point to the ultimate king-priest who is the bread, who is the wine, who satisfies our souls. Melchizedek could help Abraham, but he couldn't feed his soul. Jesus' sacrifice, His sacrifice of Himself, listen, it brought us true righteousness. It brought us true peace. Let's look back to Hebrews. Hebrews 7.25, it talks about this King, this priest, this Jesus. Because He plays this role of King, because He is a prophet, because He is a priest, it says in Hebrews 7.25, Consequently then, He is able to save sinners like you and me to the uttermost, completely, those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. What an amazing priest. He says this in Hebrews 10.14, he says, through one sacrifice, through one sacrifice, all those bulls and goats and lambs and that bloodbath in the temple and all those regulations of slaughter, 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 it all pointed to one because the blood of goats and bulls, it doesn't work. It wasn't supposed to work. It points to the one who is the true sacrifice of God. Now Hebrews 10.14 says this, now through one sacrifice, you ready for this? He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Man. One sacrifice, the ultimate priest of God. He has made forever perfect, forever perfect journeyers like us that are being made holy. What an amazing God. And now what does He do? He lives to intercede for us. Listen, what is Jesus doing right now? Or bodily, He is with the Father at His right hand. It was a bodily resurrection. What is He doing He's, he's, he's waiting for that last moment where He's going to come rescue us, but He's not just wringing His hands. And he's, his, his sacrifice was sufficient. The tomb was empty. The Father's wrath is justified. Now what does He do? He lives to intercede for you and me. What is Jesus doing right now? He's interceding. He's blessing His church. He's blessing His family. He's blessing you and me. He's reminding the Father as if He needed reminding. That's ours. That's the one I paid for. That's the one I shed my blood for. That's the one I'll never let go. He lives to intercede for us. So listen, when the world kicks you in the, in the shins, when the world tells you you're nothing, when the world tries to discourage you, remember His one sacrifice was sufficient. And He lives to intercede for us. Is that a great high priest? It says he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He understands your weakness. He understands your brokenness. He became broken. He's accessible. Truly man. Truly God. Truly God's unique son who speaks. God's unique son who's a unique sacrifice and priest. We must have a king. If we want a king to be my righteousness and my peace, he must be a prophet, he must be priest, and we have to have a king who can be my king. 
who can subdue my real enemies. Genesis 14.20, Abram's told, hey listen, God's going to take you, his, your enemies and He's going to place them into your hands. An amazing conquer, conquering of kings. But there's someone, there's so much, well, there's one named Jesus who's so much better. He comes as our king. He says, I'm going to fight yours and my greatest enemy. And your greatest enemy is sin and death. That's what it is. Because that enemy will always separate you from a holy God. That enemy of sin and death will always lead to a physical, spiritual death. And God came in flesh to battle His and our greatest enemies. And do you know what? He won. He reigns. He lives. We feet, we battle against a vanquished foe. Satan's head is bruised, crushed, defeated. Death doesn't have a sting. The grave was empty. That king came. He came and he defeated God's greatest and our greatest enemies. And you ready for this? That king is so powerful and he's so good. He has, he has, he's, he's powerful and good that he even has the ability not just to, to defeat death and sin, he has the ability to subdue us, our rebellious hearts. And by His grace and for His glory to show us our need for this King and say, come and bow and live. Come and bow and submit and find life. All that you were thirsty for, all that you need, come to Me and I will fill you. A King who could be our King, who could defeat our real enemies. That's Jesus. And now when he subdues our hearts, what do we do? We, what, what Abram did is he, he gave to him. He, he, he worshipped. He said, wow, this king is worth giving to. I'm going I'm to give my tithes because I owe so much to him. And this is, this is what Jesus now calls us as the ultimate king who's prophet and priest as well, who gives us his victory, who is our righteousness, who is our peace. And now he says, now you come and you give me your life as a sacrifice of worship and praise. One of the things we talk about here is the sign of our tithes and our offerings is just a small token of the reality that we know that King Jesus reigns. We know He's our righteousness. We know He's our peace. And now we are in submission to Him. Now we're on mission for Him. And now we say, God, use our lives to make this place glorious. You have blessed us, so we'll be a blessing. And everything I have, that which I give and that which I keep is all yours. In everything, all my talents, all my ability, all my time should be under the authority of our King. Is Jesus a reality in your life? I mean, a real reality that changes your day-to-day activity? Or is He like some superhero? Kind of like on the comic pages of life, maybe on a Sunday in the worship service. Are you here today and by God's grace and design before time began, you're His. And can you say about King Jesus that this King really is my righteousness? Can you really say about this King Jesus that that is my peace? And He is my King. If you're here today and He's just a comic book superhero... The message is clear. 
There's a king who is. His name's Jesus. He's an amazing prophet, priest, and king. And you owe him his life. You owe him your life. Surrender. Surrender your junk and find life. (laughs) Be in submission. And be on mission for him. What about the rest of us? What's going to change this week about Jesus being our prophet? It's going to change. You know, he's our prophet. So what? Let me ask you, are you going to allow him to speak to you this week? What's going to be new? What's going to be new about your routine this week that if the reality is, is that God still speaks and he speaks to us through his unique son, what's different? Are you going to line yourself up in a place and say, Lord, come and speak. I know you speak in all of creation, but I'm going to listen. I'm going to get myself there. Maybe for some of you this will be the first time. Let me encourage each one of us. Are we going to let the prophet speak to us? How are we going to let Jesus be our priest this week? I think we got to look at the fact that he calls us to be holy. He is holy. What are we sacrificing this week? What are we going to sacrifice? Say, you know what? I'm going to give this to Jesus. He's given everything to me. But my life this week is going to be different. My life is going to be a sacrifice of praise to Him. I'm going to wake up and say, I love the Lord and this day is yours. I'm going to serve King Jesus today. May not go my way. May not be what all the things I want. But King Jesus is going to be on the throne of my life today. Because He's my King. He's going to be my priest He offered the ultimate sacrifice for me. I'm going to offer it right back, my life to him. How's he going to be your king this week? What areas is the Holy Spirit working in your life saying you're not submitting here? I mean, what what are those things in your life that the Holy Spirit just has been prompting you? Maybe for weeks, days, hours, I don't know. You just know you're not in submission. You just know it. I mean, God's got a way of doing that, doesn't he? He's got a way of just saying, you know what? Uh, you call me king, but there's a couple areas that, you know, you're king. You're in control. A couple areas you're telling me hands off. Let me ask you, deal with King Jesus. Is he safe? Heavens no. He's a lion. Is he good? Absolutely. And he'll, he, he's going to get you. So I'm telling you, in a good, loving way, because he's a loving God, he's going to get you with his grace and his mercy, but he's going to say, are you... Surrender to me. And for King Jesus, where are we not in mission to him? I mean, really, where's our life about our mission? Where are we not in mission to him? Just think, think as you go through this week, just think about, okay, God, am I, am I making this call for you? Is, is, this, is this appointment about you? Is this, is this meal about you? Is this subject about you? Is this, am I in mission? Or am I really building my kingdom over yours? Jesus. The ultimate king, who's our prophet, our priest, our king, our righteousness, and our peace. Let us pray. Father, unbelievably, you love rebellious sons like us, sons and daughters. Unbelievably, you lead with grace and mercy. And Father, you appoint us to a king who's even greater than Melchizedek, an ancient, true ancient of days, that just that Melchizedek foreshadowed. Jesus, 
Father, I pray for the one here today that doesn't know Jesus as King of his life, that's never experienced Jesus as their righteousness, their peace, that because of Your mercy, God, bring them home today. Father, today may be the day where they just acknowledge their rebellion and their sinful heart and they, in their hearts, kneel before You and say, Jesus, become my King. Become my righteousness. Become my peace. Take my sin and nail it to the cross and give me Your righteousness so I could live. Father, the rest of us who are Yours, but not in submission or not on mission, may Your Holy Spirit reveal to us where we need to get in line, where we need to live our lives in a way to say thank You that You are our righteousness and our peace. Father, as we give back to You our tithes and offerings, we acknowledge that this is not a token trying to earn something. We've already gotten everything. But this is a way that we can tangibly say we submit and we love our King Jesus. We love who He is as our prophet. And He speaks to us. We love who He is as our priest. And He has sacrificed Himself for us. And we love who He is as our King. And we will live for His glory. Father, receive these now and use them to advance Christ's kingdom. It's in His name we pray. Amen.